Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening to the Fast and the Furious Presents The Character Arc Podcast, where each week we discuss a movie we just watched. We start by giving our own synopsis of the film, then open to a more general discussion. Then we give some changes we would make if we were the ones making the movie, and finish with our final thoughts. Thank you for joining us. I am the Fast and the Furious Presents Richard Bertelson. And I am the Fast and the Furious Presents Ted Hong. This week, we watched the Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Pick a door. All right, then. No, that's my door. Pick another door. What's wrong with you? You know what? You were right. This is your door. What's the matter? You got a lot of bad guys behind that door? That doesn't even... It's not Sean Hobbs, right? It's yeah, Hobbs and Sean. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> what? it's like Ted and Richard present character arc podcast presents Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. So, oh, Ted, you want to start off by giving us your synopsis of this oh, movie? God. Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Bald men unite <laughs> and find any reason to punch people as creatively as possible. You know, they're pretty fucking bald. I, I need to take a cue. I mean, I don't know about The Rock, but certainly Statham, like, you can see his stubble. He's embraced oh, yeah. it, like, he has hair, but he just decided because part of it's gone... He's just gonna. He's just gonna no, go down. No, I think it's a good look. To no, be it is. Yeah. I think the Rock can do that. Yeah, he can pull that off fine. But with Jason Statham, it like it adds an air of like classiness to him. You mean you the know? the five o'clock head shadow? Yeah, yeah. I dig <laughs> it. I I I would do that shit. I'm doing that shit right now. So. <laughs> Sure. My synopsis of this movie is, now usually I give a pretty out there synopsis if you listen to past episodes, but I'm actually just going to describe what the plot of the movie is because I don't think I can do better, which is tech cult tries to take over the world. <laughs> um, the word, the term tech cult, by the way, in the movie, that's what they call them. I don't know what that is, but that's okay because what? they seem real fucking evil. <laughs> The name of the, the tech cult? No, I know what the name of the tech oh, cult okay. is. I've just never heard the term tech cult so casually thrown about. <laughs> <laughs> like it's normal? Like we've heard it before in the past 10 years? Because I think they're in London and they just find... So the, the actual plot of this movie is that uh, Shaw, Jason Statham's character, his sister... Hattie. It's kind of... Hattie is her name? That's her name. She's kind of framed for, a, for stealing a virus that can melt everyone's insides. Again... Not my colorization. That's how the movie describes it. This virus can melt everyone's insides across the whole planet. <laughs> and then once they try to help her, that is Hobbs and Shaw, that is the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, try to help her, they're then framed by the tech cult. And she just looks up and sees their names being on the wall, all over like the marquees and the video screens in London, uh, like in Piccadilly Circus. And as soon as they're up on the screen, she just goes, they're a tech cult. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, uh, sure. I, I must have missed that line because I wasn't. <laughs> I guess the Fast and the Furious. There's just a whole lot of framing going on. People are just so easily framed. Yeah. Okay, so I've seen everyone except for the most recent one, and I, I mean Shaw was apparently framed. She's being framed. Other people are being framed. Just so easily being framed. It's just like oh yeah, no it's a it's, plot device. It's always just as a. For, for how much wanton death and destruction happen in these movies, it's all kind of just a misunderstanding. <laughs> Why don't we just have a seat around the table and, ex and talk about our feelings? Who's and... a good guy and who's a bad guy? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely, I did really love this movie. Oh, I yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I, this, I agree. I, yeah. I've, yeah. I loved every second of this good. movie. To some degree, it's because you can turn your brain off 
and boy is it fucking pretty and it not, oh, yeah. it's not only that like we cuz we discussed uh John Wick 3 earlier in the year and we felt like even though the action was very beautiful that we found the movie a little dull now that's because this movie gives us context right away and it does it so quickly it's like hey she's delivering this thing this guy with his magic motorcycle and his Borg suit, um, <laughs> inter- interrupt that delivery. Or not delivery, but they're going to take it. And she injects herself with the virus, the virus. that melts all of human insides. Um, but it, don't worry, it's encased in something when she injects it in herself for some and reason. And she's got three days. She's got three days. Three days. And then it shows us, it literally wastes no time. And when I say that, it literally doesn't bother giving us a hob scene and a shaw scene it just split screens that shit (laughs) and it's just like here's them both i'm gonna i'm gonna spend 30 seconds tops showing you who they are but it does effectively show you who they are see i was okay so if you're comparing that to john wick i feel like this the reason why is uh they were a little more stylized and how they presented things like in the editing and the split screen the split screen oh my god where's john wick the cinematography was nice but the editing it was it was pretty uh pretty standard whereas this one they really employed a lot of aspects to it well plus Um, john yeah like john wick you're right the editing the editing around and it it went with the music like they it was like very specifically it flows so nicely and you never feel like by the time you might be bored with something it has a whole new pretty thing to show you. It like literally entertaining a cat or a baby. Like right. it's it's just it sees your expression change in the slightest, and the music changes, the characters change, the I video changes, <laughs> which is fine. Like that's awesome because yeah. one of the things with John Wick Two though was that it started with a forty-five minute action sequence without us talking about what's going on. This movie talks about what's going on. But it does it inside Sorry, the action, the action sequence. Which, so it doesn't waste either time. It, it still starts with just a 45-minute action sequence. The difference is it gives us context and plot in those minutes. It's funny. I was noting that when I was watching it. I was thinking how this is reminiscent of the, the sort of like action hero phase that we had maybe, I don't know, a decade ago or something. But no, this is like strictly action sequence. And every time they... Uh, especially when they were explaining when they were in the car it was the car chase scene it was in that moment they started like asking questions and i was like yeah no this is how it should be done if you have you have these action set pieces which are beautiful in most cases i do really like the way they shot and i'd like to talk about that but um it keeps the momentum going the way they they, layered they the, the characters interact while shit is going down for the most part yeah um there are exceptions to that for the most part, someone is already being chased or being or whatever, and then that's when they're like, "No, that's my sister and shit." <laughs> and so you're like, "You don't have to stop to get the plot," and that prevents this movie from being a three-hour bore or from having no story at all. It it just crams them together in a way that's super effective. But but that beginning action sequence actually, I pretty much knew I was gonna love the movie because. The way that the action is shot, okay, so they're in the parking, are they in a parking garage? Where the fuck are they? they... They're in an underground, yeah, it's a parking okay. garage. It's a loading dock area. As and... soon as Idris Elba, who plays the villain, Brixton. Idris? Is it Idris? I you say it potato, it. I say potato. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea how you actually pronounce it. I've always said Idris. Yeah, I thought it was Idris. I don't know. I don't even know what I said five minutes ago. Anyway, don't Google it. (laughs) (laughs) He starts fighting all of the MI6 agents, 
And so it starts like a regular sort of uh, sort of karate action movie, but like the second or third shot is a shot from above them where you can get the context of where everyone's positioned and where all the threats are coming from. And if you notice, the movie does that over and over again. Aerial shots, and I don't mean aerial shots like from a helicopter. I just mean when like an action down. sequence breaks out, it does a top-down view of the scene, mm -hmm. which is great because it establishes exactly where everyone is and what's going on, which helps you to follow the action in a really crisp, clean, efficient way. You know, it's funny that you say that because uh, it's actually one of those like unspoken qualities of an action sequence is that for you in the audience to understand the layout, and I, I know the counterpoint to this, like there was something with Christopher Nolan when he did, I can only think of the first two Batmans where he did this. In the action sequences, he either spins the camera around or his, his fast-paced cutting disorients you. And I know the first, for the argument for the first one, that was intentional, was that it was to give you the feeling that this is, if you were the crook, and Batman came. Right. Nolan claims that he puts you in the perspective of the people he's beating up. They don't know where he is. They don't where know where from. he is, right. But I actually agree with you that as an audience member, you're like, what the fuck's going what on? What the fuck is going on? And like, okay, so that's passable in the first one. And then the second one, I'm like, okay, he's kind of doing it again. Um, and I think he does kind of do it in the third one, too. I think so. So, and that's one of those things. But, and it's... Because there's a lot of value in... In putting us, making us feel the way that the characters on screen feel, but you're taking, but if your if your whole point is this character is the most badass badass that has ever badassed, then I need to see him do that, and that might be more powerful than me being confused. Right. Like I understand that it's supposed to showcase everything, but if it's done well, you don't notice it. it everything <laughs> just translates really well. But if it's done poorly, it's suddenly jarring and. You're like, oh, I don't know. It, it removes you from the scene a little bit. But like, okay, so talking about action sequences real quick. So the way Jackie Chan does it, he does like a full-on shot, mm -hmm. but that's to showcase the, the stunt people's abilities. Right. Right. It's not being covered up by shots. It's right, not, right. It's not like no shaky cam. There's no, um, there's no like intense focus on like one action. Although sometimes he does do it. He does it for emphasis. So like, let's say like in shot A, uh, Jackie Chan hits bad guy one mm -hmm. and then he goes to shot b you're gonna see jackie chan hit that guy again but when you watch it you don't connect you don't see it as two hits you connect it as one hit but right. what it does is is, is it shows emphasis mm -hmm. and I, I have to say that the action sequences in this were really well done and yeah it's just connecting everything and shows impact it's so like if you compare it to the expendables which jason statham was also in like any sequence with jackie chan or not jackie chan oh my god it's jet lee Jackie Chan was in The Expendables, too. He's the guy in the corner just kind of watching what's going on. No, Jet Li, <laughs> in his fight scenes, it's just like there were too many cuts that kind of was disorienting, and the lighting was very dark, and you couldn't see anything. Um, and that goes along with any of the other characters that were fighting. While we're in, while we're in the parking garage still, though... Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I loved <laughs> how... talking about that. No, I mean, that, that, you hit all the points I wanted on the main point of that, but I'm talking about the cinematography, though. Mm -hmm. When she gets into the truck and then tries to drive away by, like, backing through a fucking something that a truck probably right. couldn't can back I, through. Can I interject real quick? Where were her, her crew? They were behind oh, the truck. She don't give a fuck. <laughs> but it's like they disappear for that shot, and they no, come know, back, know, and they're yeah, all just kind of hanging oh, out. Oh, yeah. Um, but remember That's the, not even a reach. It's just... Anyway, sorry. Go for it. <laughs> The truck flips, <laughs> and then it shows her crawl through the truck uh -huh. when it flips, uh -huh. and the camera, it's kind of like that scene in Inception when 
when the truck is flipping. Oh, and oh like, I see what you're saying. Meaning the camera could have oriented itself where she looked fine. I see what you're saying. It's it's a fixed shot. Yes. Into the, in the in the cabin of the car. So the whole and world spins, flips, but yeah. we our perspective stays the same, mm-hmm. and it just. I mean, honestly, yeah, like I, really I, I don't, like I don't want to attribute too much art to it, but it, it looks gorgeous. Like for for an action sequence that starts the movie to have that kind of eye candy, I was sold. Having it fixed on the character as opposed right. to being elsewhere and watching the character character move, um, there's a bit more of an intensity to it, and it's great because I I think that translated well because shit just got turned sideways. So that's a fair point. I actually didn't put it together that way. What you're saying is that because we stay fixed on her orientation keeps us with her even though the whole world is flipping around. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Like That's probably why it's so satisfying. Um, but you want to talk about the CIA interrogation room, which I do too. Um, the point that I want to hit oh, on yeah. that yeah. is that when The Rock does bring her in and they have that interrogation scene, which is actually pretty funny. Um, by the way, The Rock... I'm always surprised how good of an actor The Rock is. There's a level of showmanship that he had to do for, you know... Right, right, right. Um, At the time, WWE. And that's that's nothing new. I mean, I've been impressed with The Rock since, like, 2003 as an actor. So I don't know why I'm still surprised, but I just am. Like, he's... Like, I guess it's because you kind of see him as an action star, and you don't necessarily expect him to be funny, but he is funny. And he's funny in this movie, and he's funny in a lot of movies. So this CIA room that he brings her to and starts interrogating her... Oh, yeah. Entirely made of glass. It's a black site. It's what it's... So it's supposed to be... (laughs) Out away they, from civilization, you get those little things. Those, or it's a secret location. You get those labels on the screen that says CIA black site. <laughs> Major skyscraper, I guess in London. Glass, oh, yeah. not it just is. the not just the exterior walls are glass like a skyscraper. All of the interior walls also glass. And so there's this joke where the rockets a phone call, steps out of the room. She destroys the shit out of the guy meant to watch her. There are literally people in the background going about their business, not noticing through all of these glass walls that she is about to murder somebody viciously. She beats him with that chair. Hardcore. Oh my god, there was a part where I actually felt bad for... I don't know, either they did a really good job in terms of like you know having the stunts, or it was a shot that he actually got injured and they just decided to keep the shot. Because she jams the, the edge of the chair into his throat, and you can see his, like, he visibly just like starts to gag. And I was like, oh my god. But he's, they kept it, and I was he's like, dead oh, now. Yeah. It's all, like, one thing that can go back into the pacing of the movie, though, too, because that scene... The second that then Shaw finds out that she's there, which he's Shaw's sister, he comes back and he has a little, the little lover's quarrel that him and The Rock have throughout the whole movie. Oh, They're yeah. little weird, flirty right. <laughs> arguments. And then you're like, okay, the movie's going to settle down now because they're all three of them that are together for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. They're going to start planning how this is going to go. But no, the second that that might happen, all of the windows explode, which by the way, if you notice, every piece of glass in that building breaks. Except for the two panes of glass behind the, the rock, <laughs> behind the rock, <laughs> and Jason and Statham Jason hit. That they just lightly they bounce, bounce off of it. Just, like, but even then, that was a that was like, an so, awkward shot. Did you think about that? Because yeah. they just kind of like uh-huh, just daintily so, bounce off the. So the wind force shatters all of these glass rooms, but three hundred pounds of the rock doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> they should have kept that up. They should have just like had. A shot where the glass shatters in front of him and he just stands there unscathed. Because they always joke about such, how much of a Goliath he is, how much of a Hulk. You actually notice that a lot of the movie involves breaking glass or fragile materials, which is actually another trick 
for filmmaking, which is that if you want to showcase the destructive force of something, it, instead of having someone, say, dent metal or maybe cave in drywall a little bit, anytime you can have stuff shatter, the more you can have this more kind of visual and auditory uh, impact. And this movie capitalizes on that. Right. Glass is everywhere. It's because that shattering sound and the glass flying around adds to the impact of the action, which makes it feel a little more visceral. But, you know, I, I would argue, oh, I guess this is more of a personal thing. I, I think sometimes when I watch an action sequence and I see glass just shatter just with, like, a flick, I'm like, all right, sure. I, like, I understand it's supposed to show the intensity, but then the fact that there was, like, no force behind the hit. Oh, for sure. And then it's just like, oh, I know. can actually accentuate your point, which I might need you to answer a question based on your re- recollection. So remember during the car chase, I think it was, it was probably after that scene when, um... <laughs> So Jason Statham gets in his McLaren, which I know is a McLaren because the movie made sure Make you, sure knew it was you saw that yeah. many times. Mm-hmm. Um, Chevrolet and McLaren clearly paid some money for this movie because we get a lot of close-ups on those names for no real reason. Well, they, money. Well, yes, <laughs> the millions of dollars, of course. And so they're being chased by Brixton on the motorcycle. Brixton is Idris Elba's character. We'll get back to the motorcycle. I want to get back to the motorcycle. We need to make this point first, which is. Remember when The Rock sticks his hand outside of the passenger yes, I, window? Yes, that was actually going to be a point I was going to make. And then he holds the guy up. He just grabs the guy off the motorcycle, holds him up until he hits the wall. Does he punch through the window? When that, he... That's two points that I was going to make. One, he punches through the, the side window. <laughs> just, just to like, grab the guy? Just... <laughs> You couldn't have rolled down the window. It's it's electronic. I'm sure it would have been It's fast. also like a $500,000 car. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we just... <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw argue about so much. But really, if I were Shaw, I'd be like, you son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is what I mean in my synopsis. They just find whatever reason to punch things. Um, but not only that. So if you consider that after he punches through the, the glass and grabs the guy... And they, he holds on to the guy midair until they hit the side of a, what is that, that archway? Like a pillar. Yeah. You're wondering why his arm doesn't come off? Why doesn't his arm come off? <laughs> almost the movie could have just gone further and there's just a hole, the shape of his arm in the pillar. <laughs> oh that would have been hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I love the sequence, though. I thought that was a really clever idea. It but, clever. It, but yeah, no, you, you scrutinize it in any way, it makes no fucking sense. It's like, wouldn't your arm just rip off? You just, because not, oh my god, there, there was a video of a guy, this is terrible, because there was a guy who was like in the middle of a forest and he was driving in, and he put his arm, this is terrible, he put his arm against a tree, and as the car was going, it looked like he was trying to push the car away from the tree as it was going down, and of course it snaps his arm, the tree. <laughs> you mean no, the, the tree, tree doesn't give? You the, mean tree the tree just gave give? way to his <laughs> strength of one man. <clears throat> no, yeah, and it snaps. So yeah, you just got to, oh, I don't know. Again, with the logic, right? You just got to yeah, yeah. Uh, suspend your disbelief no, a little bit. It's a lot of really gorgeous fighting or action sequences, car chases, explosions, fighting. It just, it doesn't make sense, but that's kind of what's so enjoyable about it because right. it's so over the top. To any normal standards, that's pretty ridiculous. Like when he jumps after the guy's rappelling down the window, when the rock jumps on the guy's. Right, and then he he decides to bring the guy over to the elevator <laughs> just to, just to show Jason Statham. <laughs> right, and yeah, that's just utterly ridiculous. But that was funny it's... though. Whatever he says, like you can't you can't hear him, but he's like mm-hmm. "fuck you" or whatever. Yeah, yeah. he mouths something. I like would that. argue that one thing that makes some of the action sequences very enjoyable is that they don't like each other, and there's a sense of competition between them. So if you do get this marathon action sequence. 
you have this other thing going on, which is them trying to one-up each other oh, yeah. or screw each other over. So if for some reason you got bored with the car exploding under the exploding helicopter under the exploding motorcycle, you can also follow these characters who have this little rivalry, which is shown to us through the fighting. Like, they're trying to, I'll kill this guy better than you can kill this guy. Right. And most of the times it's pretty unspoken. It's just, you just know that's what's going on. And it's great. It adds and another it's awesome layer. It's, I think it's it adds another layer that makes it more enjoyable. Because otherwise, it's just like a, cook, a cookie-cutter kind of action scene. Right. We have to go back, though, because we both wanted to talk about the motorcycle. Yes. I want one. It's a, it, it's a Transformer is what it is. The, yeah. the, the bad guy in this movie has a motorcycle that can change shape and can purpose contort. for... I don't know how it does it, but does See, he need to go underneath the semi-trailer? Yeah. It, it can transform into can, a flat object to do yeah. that. See, here's I was trying to figure out how. And I was like, at first, when they first showed um, the bike... It was in that uh, loading area with where they introduce Maddie and she takes the virus. And it I was just, like, this bike just comes up. And like it just it's a drives dog. up on its own. It's like, and just Come parks. Here, doggy. I like how nicely it parks too. Yeah, it's, it's, like, like, <laughs> it's like okay, get on. No, it, and I thought it was weird, but then I realized because he's also half machine. Idris Elba he's a cyborg. Yeah. So he's probably in some way controlling with controlling his mind. with his with his, mind. his circuits. Yeah. By the so. way, guys, this is one hundred percent a science fiction movie. Um, if you thought that the Fast and the Furious were, well, hopefully you never thought they were based in realism. But this one goes a step further. It's just, it is straight up, it's a sci-fi spy thriller. That's yeah. what this is. This is spy thriller. I honestly, I really loved it. I really, it was enjoyable. Although I will admit that there was a part where I did kind of get tired. Um, I don't know if it's because of the movie or it's just me, because it was like right after Russia. Yes, yes. No, I, I actually did too. Oh, um, you did too. Like I was. That's just because kind of, that's the first time the movie. <laughs> Slows down. Tries to be, it tries to infuse heart more forcefully. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, you get you get I'm really quick scenes. That. Like you get you get the rocks character because you see a scene with his daughter, but it doesn't linger on it too much because mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds immediately comes into the booth and just makes everything hilarious for a right. minute. But that scene is, despite being interrupted by that comedy and allusions to action. That's the reason that scene exists is so that you see The Rock with his daughter and so that you care about The Rock's character. Yeah, absolutely. And then Shaw is you see his mom and you do see his mom by itself, but again it's a comedy scene mm-hmm. where she's talking about all the ways that she can escape and already has tried. And also you also build Shaw's character more more drawn out through the movie because of his sister. Right. Who's the who's the It's the, supposed the issue. to humanize that yeah. a bit. But the, I want to get back to At the end, the problem is that scene with everything the sunset. stops. Right. And they decide to start spewing wisdom at each other. Yeah. About family and love and second chances. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was... I mean, it, it's within the scope of The Fast and the Furious where they do talk oh, about Oh, they that. always talk about family. Yeah. It's always about family. And I'm talking about that scene where they're in the sunset and they're kind of like soaking it up for the last time as they talk about... That really dramatic helicopter shot for no fucking reason. What? I'm talking she's, about where they she's they're having at, a beer. Yeah, she's standing at a table in the middle oh, that of nowhere. Hel- oh, I see. And the shot is just very dramatic. <laughs> right, right. But it's really thought, just two people standing there. Because there was an actual, there's a literal helicopter. Not, a, not, not the actual helicopter. Yeah, the that's why I'm like, there was no helicopter in that scene. No, but we'll talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah we'll get back to that. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> no, 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 yeah, yeah, because uh, you could tell with all the wind and the... Um, when it when it super forces a maybe romance. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of nice. Like, there were a lot of things where this does it well. Because it doesn't build up anything. Like, it hints yeah. at a sort of, like, a little bit of a, a, not a fling, but a sort of a crush kind of a thing. Like, a bit of an admiration for each other. <clears throat> but it doesn't go on, like, 
I've known you for a day. We've gotten killed, nearly killed for three three times. Yeah, no. Uh, I've fallen deeply in love with you. No, that's deep. no, it doesn't. It doesn't it, do any of that, which no. is which I'm thankful it didn't do. Right. I felt like this was a slowdown for a movie because it's such a tonal change in the sense that now it's trying to like, it's reconnecting the rock with his family. It's it's having these tender moments between him and Shaw's sister Hattie. It's having these sort of like bro moments where we actually get along now between Hobbs and Shaw, but. All of that makes sense within the world of the story. That's not the problem. The problem is that the movie's so high energy up to that point that when it kind of slows to... down, you feel it more. So it doesn't make the movie bad by any means. Don't right. don't take that the wrong way. Like it's it doesn't hurt the movie. It's just we. It just feels. It feels a little pace. disjointed. Like it's yeah. still part of it. It's like when you I guess dislocate your shoulder. Your arm's still attached, and it makes sense that it's there, but it, it doesn't quite, it's not hinged in, you know, if that makes any sense. It's not in the ball. The ball isn't in the socket. It's disjointed. It's disjointed. <laughs> Let me further elaborate on disjointed. <laughs> that would be the definition of disjointed. Like, literally. Yes. Um, but yeah, talking about, like, the, the philosophical parts, as the, the characters' names are named after some pretty big ones, like... Uh, Ryan Reynolds' character is Locke, and of course we have Hobbes. I'm going to need you to describe for the audience where you're going on this tangent. You're talking about these characters share names with famous philosophers of the past. Yeah, like... We it, don't all have your philosophy degree, Ted. <laughs> but, you know, but they spell Hobbes with, uh, without an E, so it doesn't really quite count. Um, it's kind of funny. <laughs> the writer um, thought he was very clever when he did that, you yeah. son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to take away the E. So you're saying all of these philosophers' ideas exude through these characters in this movie. No, quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, the whole idea with, like, Hobbes is, like, I don't know, like, that famous, uh, his famous writing with about Leviathan is that kind of people are inherently selfish. And so I think, what was it? I think he believes it was the best type of government is a monarchy. So technically he should go with okay. Etrion in the sense that the weaker people should be eliminated and only the strongest, and in this case, whoever is running Etrion. Right? Etrion's the tech cult, by the way. Yeah, Etrion's the tech cult. In the movie. Locke is very similar, but doesn't really get too much into that. It's kind of the opposite, because the I- mm, the ideas for Hobbes and Shaw's, and of course with all Fast and Furious, is family. Having more people together, as they do with that sweeping shot at the end after they, they've won. Yeah, yeah. And the Everyone whole, the whole, comes like, together. And... Not just not just his family specifically, but like presumably the whole Samoan community around them. Yeah, yeah. There's no way that you could add, kind of do like this... Uh, tip of the hat really maybe you could but this is kind of on the nose because you're, you're taking their actual names or at you least could. similar you could it might be done not as tastefully so i guess with this they're just like we'll just take the names and and go with it it's a it's a screenwriter flipping through books looking for yeah. names yeah yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> talking about the action sequences there's always a way for them to have to exchange fisticuffs because like the guns Okay, if you if you think about it as a tech cult, uh, whatever the hell, why would you have firearms that need to be encoded? Well, because hold on, let me get to this. Because not only that, if you're trying to be if you're trying to be behind the scenes, right. why do you have guns that can immediately connect you to whatever the hell you're doing? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's not like none of those guys fell. At the end. It's kind of like one of those things where you're like, as a hacker, I know that anything connected to any kind of network can be traced back to me, so I would definitely use something not connected to any network. Exactly. You would use um, something nondescript. You can get the idea where, like, where the movie shows it, where because if someone took your gun, they couldn't use it against you. Yeah, which they but, used in the movie. 
you are also correct that it probably makes more sense to not the, the risk outweighs the benefit in yeah, like, yeah. yeah um but for action sequences sake it makes sense because what it does is it levels the playing field to where it opens up not only that uh with <laughs> toward the end because she disables all the guns right. and it allows those six minutes for them to fight each other mm-hmm. without guns involved so but you know the guns are going to come back so you got to do whatever you got to do in the short in the time. shorter period of time so it adds tension how many ticking time bombs do we have we have the guns will come back on in six minutes the three days we have she'll die in three days we have it takes 30 minutes for the virus to be taken out of her mm-hmm those are the last 10 minutes oh yeah yeah, yeah right there yeah There's that's that. right once once it's extracted once it's extracted then she can be killed because she's in the possession of the enemy at that point i mean this these are all like tricks oh the but 45 minutes the bomb oh that's right 45 <laughs> minutes before <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole place blows yeah. up that's right oh i felt so bad for the the scientist guy come they on just the they, just they just left him there they just left him left there. there they go mm. to him for, for his help, help. And he helps them. And then they're just like, peace. <laughs> and then he gets his <laughs> And they, they drive away and just leave him there, knowing that the place is going to explode. They, they didn't sure even do. see if he got his neck snapped. I feel really bad for this guy. Yeah, no, that was weird. I mean, it wasn't weird. Like, it, again, they had someone had to die to get the stakes up. But you're absolutely right. Someone should have been worried about his life. Yeah. He helped them so much. <laughs> Speaking of ticking time bombs, these aren't ticking time bombs, but these are adding to the stakes. So what if you were on a flatbed truck hand fighting a cyborg as the world were crumbling around you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty fucking cool. I don't know how you get there, but uh, I want to, this jumps on his bike though, because before he lands onto their flatbed truck so they can fight while the world crumbles... He just says that with no establishing it ever, activate the drones. <laughs> There's drones? There were drones? Yeah. <laughs> was that his, did they come off his bike or was that just his cyborg nature? Where did the drones come from? <laughs> they ejected from his spine. Because uh, there was a, there was, a, I kept wondering why they kept going to the scene of where he's like, I don't know, is he hung from the ceiling as his, when they're his being I, operated I don't think on? he's, when, when they're operating on him, I don't think so. I think he's sitting in a chair. Like, not an open, like, he's sitting on, like, a doctor's bench. Like, a, one of those, the arms that operate him on him come from the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But he's not hanging, though. He's, oh, that's true. He's just kind of, yeah. like, flexing his. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The movie just always, it carries the momentum, and it always builds it up. And then when it tries to have that sort of, like, that relationship kind of if it's awkward it's awkward it's just kind of it goes from this to that which i understand that they kind of need to because it what it does it, it it punctuates the scene so it doesn't seem like it's going from nothing to nothing right, right. So. and it, it is effective at doing that it just the writers aren't quite skilled enough at making that truly touching but also it's but effective it's an, that you're like okay if it's fine it gets to the point it's an action movie how much how much deeper do you need to go you don't you don't because the movies this whole movie's philosophy is more yeah just more more shit more problems less time like that's the that's what this movie's all about can we talk about the final action sequence where the rock was in full traditional samoan garb and then (laughs) suddenly rips it off and suddenly he's wearing pants yes i I mean that (laughs) wasn't what i wanted to talk about but yes because he's he's in mid-run when he seems to disrobe in his his garb which is like you know a tie around the waist and his legs are showing and then it cuts really quickly to him still running but he's wearing full khakis yeah and you're like did he put did he put those on in full run (laughs) (laughs) i mean 
That's cinematic the man magic is, right there. That is no less shocking, though, than... Okay, so Jason Statham is driving a tow truck. The Rock throws a chain, for, the towing chain, up over the helicopter. Here's uh-huh. the funny thing is I thought if he just pulls on the chain to pull the helicopter down, that'll be the funniest thing I've ever seen. He doesn't. He activates the button, which makes the reel automatically reel it in. Right. And then systematically all of his brothers, which I'm pretty sure they're not actually all his brothers. They're just, you know. No, I think they're. I think a number of them are. I don't know if they all are, though. I think they are because with Samoan culture, I'm pretty sure they, they have a lot of. Okay. Relatives. I, that was unclear to me, so I wasn't yeah, really yeah. sure either way. They each attach another tow truck to it until there's about four or five tow trucks together, which by the third one, they're like, we need more weight, which I'm pretty sure since a helicopter has no leverage, you don't need more weight. I'm pretty right. sure that helicopter would come down pretty fast. But anyway, let's say four get on there, and then it wouldn't be a Fast and the Furious movie unless they all didn't activate Nitro at the same time. (laughs) Or in successful order. So then they start yanking the helicopter down, but then the chain breaks. And The Rock, which took four to five tow trucks in order to keep this helicopter at bay, grabs the chain and just holds it. Just keeps it, keeps the helicopter in Classic. (laughs) With his fucking bare hands. He is the strength of five cars, is what he is. Because you wouldn't have to do that whole elaborate thing with all those cars if he could have just pulled on the thing. Yeah. But but he, he, he latches it back on. He does latch it back on. I, by the way, I love the scene. I'm yeah. just... It's just funny. I, it's funny because I was into the scene, and then I suddenly... Like, I noticed the, the seat next... Because you're, you're sitting next to me. I was like, what the heck? And I see you just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's because I had that thought in my mind. Like, if he just pulls it down, it's like, oh, okay, they're being more realistic than that. And then later in the movie, they do what exactly yeah. what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> Which, by the way, they whip that helicopter around so viciously... Shaw's sister's inside of it. That, you know, it's funny that you say that because before they even decided to go onto the chase, I was like, she's on there. Whatever they're going to do it's is going to dangerous. endanger her <laughs> life. She's already attached to this machine that's draining her blood and filtering out whatever the hell's going on. Which and she now she's going to be in a very, fight yeah. wearing. <laughs> and so it's just like any sort of anything that they do to the copter, the copter, but Ted the helicopter, okay. but, the chopper. But Ted, it's okay because... Both the chopper and the tow truck tumble down a cliff, and everyone aboard all of them are still alive. Well, I don't know. Well, not the goon, I guess. Actually, no. There was he another. Is... He was fine. There was a guy. He was there was fine. a guy. There was another the guy got died, shot. The only one who died was the one I got shot. that Idris Elba punched in the face or yes. shot yeah. in the helicopter before anything was wrong. Right. right. <laughs> Which, by the way, you're his boss. Move. He would move. Yeah. But instead, you kill your own guy. We have to show power. And authority by having these scenes. But that can bring us into that fight scene, though, where... Okay, so Idris Elba's character, the villain's character, he's a cyborg, so he can anticipate... He can essentially see a threat coming, and I'm assuming that the computer chips make his body move appropriately to avoid the threat, because that's the only way to... It shows sort of his eye view kind of Terminator style. Like he anticipates whatever uh, threat is coming. The trajectory and the speed and the force, Mm -hmm. and then he gets out of the way. So fighting him one-on-one is impossible. And then in the the final, final scene, which they had to crash so that they were underneath water falling so that we're more dramatic, they discover that if he's distracted by one of them, the other one can then hurt him. Right. And... (laughs) That's a. I mean, that was a fucking cool fight. It was a, like, co- it was a okay. cool fight. It was great, and I thought it was, and I thought it was fantastic. But it, what they did was, 
they made that sequence weird when they decided to say everything on the nose that I thought that they had already figured out because that's the part I laughed. I was like, wait, didn't you guys just figure it out? You both bum-rushed him at the same right, time. Right, right. Right? If, if, I think that that's just more of like the grammar of how they shot the scene. If they were at different locations oh, yeah. and Foddy fought him individually and then suddenly by chance like one was able to recover faster and attack while the other one was still fighting and then they figured it out. I think I would have been less inclined to laugh at that point. Right. What you're saying is the movie actually is shot well enough, edited well enough, and acted well enough that they didn't need to vocalize what was going on. Yeah, it was weird. And so by doing that is They could have just looked it's, at each other. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. It's, it's essentially like me saying, hey, Ted, we're recording a podcast right now. Oh, we you are? You already know this. Let's speak And the movie already another. showed us that, so <laughs> we didn't... It was just... But I understand, like, the idea is, like, in a sort of, like... It's the last pep talk, and let's reaffirm. Right. Let's let's connect on a deeper level. We're a team, and we're going to do this together. I got your back. You got my back. I, I would normally think that using that much slow motion in a fight would be humorous or annoying, but I liked it because it showed you they are essentially strategizing in a – they're strategizing by the right millisecond. The last, yeah. Um, and so you have to slow down and show us that essentially one makes contact with – him at the same time that he makes contact with the other and that's the only way that it works right and so i just thought that was really cool it was great yeah but there was one part where someone got hit square in the jaw and the way the neck like snaps just to show all the force i was like holy hell that isn't hmm. it it looks really painful so i mean kudos to them that they just made it look that way do you want to touch on anything else or um i really liked hattie very capable very strong. Oh, yeah. I just when she I fought, it was badass. badass. Oh my god! I actually she's really so, liked her fight with the Rock when yeah. they first interact. That was a cool fight. She was great. I loved her honestly. Tim this is Shaw's sister, by the way. She's kind of the main character of the movie, actually, in a weird way. She was never truly the damsel in distress, but she was put in positions where she seemed like she might be. But actually, they usually Ted's favorite term, subverted expectations, where either she <laughs> saved the day, right, because they got into trouble, yeah. Or even if they needed to save her, she was at least contributing to her own rescue just as much as they were. Yeah. So it actually it did it did change that trope of because she's a woman, she gets thrown to the side and they need to save her. They did need to try to save her sometimes, but she also but saved within, their asses plenty. And was she was also reason. working on it. Yeah. One of the tropes I hate most is damsel in distress. Yeah. I really hate that. Because this is a person that can actually do something. Why would you just, it's just, uh, it's like one of the most annoying kind of things. And it treats it as like some sort of like trophy. Whereas this one, she is a character. She is, has, she has an involvement in it. Mm -hmm. And she actually. She's, even her action is what sets the whole movie in motion. She, right. she is the one trying to recover the virus. When she realizes she can't get it away from uh, Brixton, mm -hmm. she injects it into herself, making right. that sacrifice, which then sets into motion everything that Hobbs and Shaw have to do. It's her decision that this movie happened. Right. And on top of that, that makes her cooler. Or I guess oh, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's something more respectable because you see that she's trying to do something and she's willing to sacrifice right. you know, for, for everyone. She's even the one that every time that they're fighting, she's just like, she usually, she usually actually decides to abandon both of them just because yeah. you guys can't work together, so you're useless to me. Mm -hmm. I need to get shit done. Right. But let's talk about uh, Hobbs and Shaw and their inability to work together. Because the whole idea, I think the way you just described it as like they're like there's a sibling rivalry, and it's kind of on on the same theme that Etrion was trying to make in some way, is that we are unable to work together even though we all want the same thing. So Etrion is taking it to the next level of just eradicating any sort of any weaker 
type of people, right? So on the other side of this argument is that Hobbs and Shaw end up do working. I know I, I kind of You're supporting it. the tech cult a little too much here. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, not at all. I, 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 I firmly believe you know everyone can work together. Just not the weak ones. Just not the weak ones. I will All save humanity by wiping out by wiping three quarters out. of humanity. Because yeah. I, as one person, am going to make the decisions. Right. So that's the idea. All right. The, the way it reminded me of a sibling rivalry is in the sense that, like, you know the other person has all these good qualities. You'll just definitely never admit it in their presence. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like, it's ego a little bit. Right. And it's that teasing kind of like, no, I know you're good, but... I won't let you know that I know that you're good. Right. Honestly, the riffing between The Rock and uh, Jason Statham. Jason Statham was really good. It was, yeah. Um, the humor, like they were. There's a there's a good energy. I've seen in other movies where it's like one says something really good and then the other person says something incredibly weak, and it's often cringy, but not intentionally. It's just that wh- whoever wrote the story loved this one particular character more than the other, so mm. they gave them the better line. But no, not in this. They, they, it was pretty well balanced. I actually feel, funny you should mention that, I actually feel like the one of the reasons why this movie works so well is because, regardless of who the writer is, the writer is Universal Studios, <laughs> um, because this is the 10th Fast and the Furious movie. It's, um, well, it's it, a spinoff. It's right, ninth, but I'm saying in, in the franchise. Yeah, it's the ninth in the franchise. But I, I, I literally think that someone sat down, like someone wrote... This movie, knowing it was going to star The Rock, knowing it was going to star Jason, star Jason Statham, knowing it was part of this movie franchise. And so this movie is very much written for them as actors, which sometimes can go wrong in that the story's too weak. But because this movie is not really about the story, the story is fine. The story is a spy thriller, which is as good as any James Bond or Mission Impossible. But because The Rock's banter is written for The Rock because we know The Rock and he's been in these movies and because the Jason Statham's uh, banter is written for Jason Statham because we know him and he's been in these movies or movies just like them before I think that's why it works I think because they walked in I mean literally the the Samoan background like someone wrote this movie being like this is for The Rock because yeah. The Rock is Samoan <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. someone didn't just think for the Fast and the Furious franchise we should really visit this part of the world no, this movie was written for these actors. And I think that's why they're so tight. That they deliver lines that they're good at delivering. Super See, I think good. earlier in the podcast you mentioned how like it drew you back to this era of action heroes mm-hmm. that you haven't yeah. seen in a while. And I think the reason why you haven't seen it in a while is because they're all superhero movies now. Hmm. And this is more akin to... These movies do exist... But they're less common than they but used to common, be yeah. because now it's really just James Bond and Mission Impossible. Right. But it used to also be, oh, yeah, it used to also be True it. Lies and shit like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But all of those other ones got replaced by superhero movies, which is fine. Most they of those got are absorbed good. Into, yeah. So I'm glad that another franchise other than just Bond and Mission Impossible are kind of exploring that space. If we want to move on to changes. Yeah, let's go on to changes. I'd remove Kevin Change. Hart from this movie. Change, change, what? I'd re- I would remove Kevin Hart from this movie. <laughs> hear me, hear me in. Hear me out. Kevin Hart is funny. I don't have a problem with his scene, but he exists for no reason. I mean, he exists because he, quote unquote, got them to flight from the Ukraine to Samoa, which, by the way, that whole last sequence takes place in a day. Fly from Russia, fly, fly from the Ukraine to Samoa, make up with his family. A car mechanic fixes a really complicated piece of health technology. He had a 3D printer. They, they set up all of these defenses for this army. They fight them. They go on the car chase. 
It's like, that's a long day, man. That's a long 24 hours. But they said they meet him on the plane when they're arguing just so that they can't... I would, I would rather him be in it as an air marshal just stopping them from fighting than shoehorning in the idea that he got them the flight. Right. I think the reason why you feel that way is because usually in, it's almost... Usually if you introduce a factor, it's supposed to make the lives of the protagonists more difficult. Whereas this one, it was like a way to... Very convenient to me. Make things more convenient, right? The whole idea of like what... I may be butchering how to say this word, deus ex machina, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But it wasn't toward. The, it wasn't like the absolute end that just yeah, no, no. made everything better. But it was one aspect that kind of added to it. I get, but yeah, yeah and I didn't have a problem with this scene because actually he does. Like he is a form of conflict in that he wants to join their team, but he's he also only interrupts them because he's an air marshal and he hears like a fight might break out between the two of them. Mm-hmm. That's funny. It just when he calls them back and they're like, "Thanks for the flight." It's like okay, like. You could have just gotten there and never explained it to me, and I would have preferred that because the movie, it already doesn't make sense. It already doesn't make sense that if you met this person, he would just randomly give you any extremely difficult favor, like chartering a flight from the Ukraine to Samoa right. in an hour's notice. <laughs> okay, I, I can see where you're coming from. But again, Kevin Hart, his scene that he's actually in is funny. It's funny. That's I great. enjoyed him in the movie. I just think his part in the plot is so weirdly placed that I... So story writing-wise, yeah. he... But but I think that's one of those things where it doesn't have to be so tightly knit. It's like you could have some sort of extraneous thing that can kind sure. of... Yeah. I can understand. Um, I don't know. I'm on the fence on that. Also, to be honest with you, that's just my way of saying I actually wouldn't change very much about this movie. I just yeah. had that qualm with, yeah. the, pl- with the plot... Which most of the plot points I don't have qualms with, mainly because the plot is so over the top that it doesn't. It didn't never bothered me, even if it didn't make perfect sense. But that one it did just a little bit. Right. I would change two little things. Uh, I don't exactly have an answer right now, so let's see if I can come up with one. It would be that last scene where I told you, where they're like, "Yeah, we're a team, Power Rangers together," kind of like that. Um, if they had just kind of like resequenced it a little bit or shot it to where one character came off. Like from one end, so let's say Statham's came from the left, and maybe uh, the Rock came from another angle, and they all fought at that point, and just kind of exchanging blows, and then suddenly they realized they could work together, and they should have from the beginning, right? Um, instead of individually doing it, uh, if they had done it that way, I would have been more accepting of when they had that little pep talk, um, because I laughed at that point. I just felt a little disjointed. See, I'm trying to come up with a better way to do it, and it's very difficult. You're, I think I agree with the point you're making. I just don't know how to fix it, yeah, really, because a, that's just what I was thinking of is, oh, you're waiting for a point where one of them goes down, essentially, and the other one goes to help, and I'm like, but no, because that puts one in a power position, the other's not in. So you really do want it to be simultaneous. Right. But I don't know how it's a tough. That's, it's that's a what tough, I'm saying. It's like where like one is a little bit more roughed up, so it takes them to kind of it takes them a bit to recover. And then finally get back into the fight, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, like, it's logically, it's it's believable in terms of them not bum rushing them, uh, Idris Elba at the same time. Sure. I don't know if much can be done, but it's in terms of how the relating to another character. So, in the beginning, when they with the Rock and his daughter and um, the, and Jason Statham with his mom, um, those are okay. I was fine with those. Those were those are pretty clear cut. Although I, I do have to point out that it's kind of weird that Ryan Reynolds comes over to talk about some really top secret things in a diner in a diner, on, yeah. on yeah. the open yeah, the movie's anyway. making sure that you know it's ridiculous even for yeah. this world because the rock is making you know that the yeah. rock is playing the straight man in that scene where he's like this is wrong yeah. you shouldn't be doing it this way <laughs> right yeah. 
So, yeah, exactly. How about you? Any favorite scenes? Well, I'm trying to think of favorite scenes because the movie's such sort of this roller coaster of just batshit stuff happening that it's tough for me. I think I like... I think I like just the escalation of them driving out of the research... Or the, the tech cult facility in Ukraine. I think I like... That was a moment where, like, the grin widened on my face, which is that they get into the truck. Well... They get into a truck. She's running across rooftops, which is inside, by the way. She's running up to across rooftops inside of another building. Right, like jumps into it. Mini labs. Says he needs to go get something else. <clears throat> he jumps out of the truck, the rock that is. Takes another truck. They drive up out of oh, yeah. the facility, and then their bomb, their forty-five minute bomb, goes off. They're running away from the flames. They're running away from Idris Elba chasing him on his Transformer motorcycle, which is bad enough. Flames, Idris Elba cyborg. Mm-hmm. That's when Idris Elba says, drones activate. <laughs> so now there's <laughs> drones, too. And then the tower starts to collapse on top of them. Right. And then he lands. They Both The Rock and Idris Elba land on top of the flatbed truck, but in a way that their vehicles don't stay for some reason, only the people. And then there's a fight. There's just so much shit going on that yeah. it just it satisfied this idea that I have that sometimes a lot Too of times action on. movies can bore me because they're just so reminiscent of everything else you've seen or the characters are dull. And I feel like that's the combination of I like these characters enough. They're in the most absurd situation a human being could ever be in. And I have no idea how this is going to resolve because too much shit is going wrong. And so I think that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah, I would have to agree because, yeah, without missing a beat, like, they, they're obviously very well trained and it goes with it. And it's all believable within the realm of these characters, mm. despite being in a very absurd situation. Um, poor scientist guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just really good. No, I, I agree. It was just like, although I did feel kind of awkward when they... They uh, drove in through, like, this warehouse through the glass, and they were on, like, the rafts, the rafters. Oh, yeah. Weird, like, like, piping. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Just, I always thought, well, you're going to fall off. That's one. Yeah. Or a drone can fly faster. I'm rather (laughs) sure. sure. Yes. (laughs) So how is it that it's always lagging? I don't know. But, you know, movie logic. So, Um, like, I I have to say, I am impressed. I haven't seen something like that in a while in terms of just, like, action movie-esque, not a superhero movie kind of thing so there's a different tone to it so. there is it's hard to put your finger on but there definitely is yeah um i don't know i just thought of the the rambo trailer like, <sighs> yeah. home alone starring sylvester stallone yeah <laughs> that is exactly what's happening <laughs> holy crap <laughs> All right, everyone, whenever we start talking about a different movie, that's when it's time to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening to The Fast and the Furious Presents The Character Arc Podcast. My name is Richard. I am Ted. Um, Listen to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find podcasts. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, at Character Arc. Um, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment if you want to weigh in on how you felt about all the explosions and the shooting and the punching, mostly the punching. And share with your friends. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you.